real talk on YouTube. Real talk. Let's get straight to it. I got Can you start a morning without coffee? I, I don't. Had like two cups. I don't. No, I can't. I've already moved to Coke. <laughs> wow. You're, you're my, my day right now. They say, though, if you get out in the sun, like early, early, first thing you do, get out in the sun and then drink water and wait an hour before you drink coffee, it'll totally change your day. I've heard that. Uh-huh. And wait on getting on your it'll phone. Totally right? change your day. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I like that coffee. It wakes me up. I know. It's like it my comfort time, like in the dark. Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. way more to it's it. It's like I'm not caffeine. waiting for the sun to come up. I know. <laughs> You rocking a Keurig in the morning or? No, just the whole pot. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're committed. <laughs> oh, you do it old school? Oh, wow. Straight drip. Oh, yeah. Well, and I can drip, almost drip. do a whole pot myself pot. anyway. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that would be dangerous for me. Yeah. We have one, and if, if I made a pot, I would probably drink the whole thing in the morning. So I try to not do that. Mm-hmm. So I've been getting in a bad habit of drinking coffee at night, though, which is dangerous. But I, I like crave too. the taste like, of it. Yeah. That's it's that soothing. old man energy, dog. No, I can see <laughs> It's because you too. got married. <laughs> and it doesn't keep me up. Does it keep you up? It, does, it, it doesn't. It doesn't mean no. No, no, me so. neither. No. I mean, I'm sure it does, but it doesn't like, I don't notice the effects per se. I'm sure it's messing with my dopamine and everything, but it's, it's okay. It's okay. I'm young. So, yeah. So, little introduction uh, for everyone back home. Uh, you can name and what you do here. Uh, I am Nicole Brocklebaum, and I'm the um, the broker for the Farmington office with Collier and Associates. Heck yeah! Heck mm-hmm. yeah! How long have you been doing that? Uh, we opened that that office up in 2021. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah just after COVID. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So, how long yeah. have you guys known each other, then, dude? <laughs> I forgot about this. Yeah. So um, I literally just now remembered this. 2018. All right. Yeah. I'm telling you, bro. I don't know if we can say this, but we had a challenging client and she was with another brokerage and our client was challenging and her and I's relationship started with like some cuss words. You know what I mean? Like, no, I'm right. Strong conversation. No, you're wrong. (laughs) I'm right. But there was always a mutual respect there. And Nicole and I, you know, we always understood that we were just trying to represent our client to the best of our ability. Now, hers happened to be your parents. Right. It was like an added level. Yeah. And I get that. And I think that's the only one I've ever had where people signed and then it fell through. Dude, it's like it weird. fell through. It's so end. weird to be on the other end of a deal yeah. like that because they're your clients. you got a fiduciary, but they're wrong and they're being assholes. And so it's hard to manage that process because I have to represent those clients no matter what. And so my position is one of protection of my clients, even though you know that they could do things a whole lot different. And Nicole, I think, understood that. Show me some grace. Then ended up yeah. joining our brokerage. <laughs> what was that, like a year or two later? No, I mean, it was it was maybe six months oh, later. Because, oh, I mean, please. we had just had that transaction. And then um, the brokerage I was at kind of closed down overnight. And we were all kind of scrambling, like, where are we going to go? One of the others was like, oh, we should go over to Collier, you know? And I was like, yeah, I don't know that Stuart's going to take me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So we just did that in like yeah it was 2018 and I, I came over November of 2018 yeah 
Yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. she was, how many did we have here? Whenever Nine. We, yeah. So when the three of us so came over, we were 10, 11, and 12. Holy cow. A yeah. true OG, dude. Wow. Yeah. No joke. Isn't that crazy how life works? Even whenever mm-hmm. you're on the other side from somebody, it's like if you can have mutual yeah. respect and, and just do the best you can and the other person sees that mm-hmm. that's where your heart is, it's like possibilities are endless. And now we're working together and she's one of our leadership brokers, cuz. Isn't that crazy? It's yeah, a beautiful no, story. It's, it's amazing how it works like that. And I think I was like worried that she wouldn't like me and she was worried I wouldn't like, like her. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's very contentious. But I think we're both, I mean, through all of that, everybody was professional, did what they needed mm-hmm. for the clients. Mm-hmm. You know, all of that, you see that, you know, so. Yeah. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. That's really cool. So. You texted last night a little bio about yourself. The thing that stuck stuck out to me completely and I related to so much. So you've moved a lot, huh? A lot. Oh my yes. goodness. So This I, is the longest I've ever lived anywhere. And it's here? Very, Arkansas. Oh yeah. So it's very strange for me. And you moved distances, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. What yeah. was that like? I've been just in the US like coast to coast, you know, and then I'm overseas quite a bit too. So, Probably. Mm-hmm. yeah, I couldn't do that because I moved 16 times, okay. but they were all in Northwest Arkansas. So okay. was it crazy moving state to state? Oh, well, that's all I knew. Yeah. So I guess, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you don't know anything. And, and, and my parents, when we would move, um, you know, it got to a point where my brother and I would just, they'd be like family meeting. We'd just be like, where are we going? Like, we didn't even want to like, have, it's like, you know, just no <laughs> moving. So I was like, like, it doesn't I'm matter. I'm watching a show. You know, yeah. Just, just where are we moving? You we're know, already we, packed. We've done this yeah. before. We know, we know what that means, you know? So, um, <laughs> No, I think that there's a little bit of a difference in like being able to move from a different state in in terms of you can reinvent yourself. So I was like, that was kind of nice. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it was very strange for me to be in a location for such a long period of time. Even moving from like town to town, you're still your friends. Everybody is still the same. And so reinventing yourself, starting new jobs, doing all of that in a one location was very difficult for me. Yeah, actually, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like um, not having that clean slate was almost harder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think so. Yeah, I understand that. That's yeah. I I was wondering. So, what's the craziest place you've lived then? Um. Well, I mean, obviously, living in, I would say, Buenos Aires. I did a study abroad there. That was a fascinating experience. But then living in Moscow, that was probably my most, like the longest term. That was for two years. And that was right in the heart of Moscow. So that, that I mean, that's incredible. You, you know, not oh, a lot yeah. of people get that opportunity. No, especially now. So, I don't think that, that would be mm-hmm. a thing anymore. Right? No, it won't, you know. And then, and it's hard for me because I can't, I can't communicate with people who are there and stuff anymore either. And so, oh. um, you know, you just kind of hope everybody's okay. But, yeah. Yeah. That's um, a cool experience. Though. I always have a lot of respect for people like that. They can just go move because they're not bringing that relational capital with them. I mean, you develop these spheres and you develop this support network and you've put into these relationships. And then even as a child, you very mm-hmm. much still put into relationships. And then you go and you and you kind of have to learn to stand on your own mm-hmm. and kind of go, it's me. I'm good enough. It's like I don't have a lot of the 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 sphere around me vouching for me and it's just you. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times especially in the south, it's like, well, who's your family? You know, where do you go to church? Mm-hmm. You know, what is your 
uh, heritage, essentially. Yeah. You know, what we're going to approach you based on of your affiliations or your connections or your kind of your standing in the community. And yeah. the South thing is real common. And so somebody that can just learn to go, here's who I am and I'm enough and I'm an individual. I know for me, this is totally different. I get it. But you figure out real quick when you go to rehab. And so the three that I went to, it's like, nobody cares what you've done. You know, nobody cares if you've had success. You're a drug addict or you're an alcoholic and you're all the same. And it's interesting to see when you get a hundred guys in a room for 90 days, who is going to stand on their own and kind of go, I'm here to heal. I'm open. I'm humble. You know, I'm enough. And, and so I think for somebody moving around the country like that, mm -hmm. you learn to approach that and it comes, it comes through. And I think that's why you're a leader here. I found when I was trying to learn um, Spanish and you'd go and you'd be, you know, you say you mess up words and stuff and they, they're very like, oh, we, we understand you. We know what the gist of what you're saying and they try to help you. Mm -hmm. It was like in Russia, if you didn't conjugate correctly, they kind of ignore you. Mm. Um, the, it was the Cyrillic alphabet, so it's really hard to like to read anyway, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, I mean, I learned the Cyrillic alphabet to be able to sound out words to get around the metro and everything myself. But there was like an, a, a convenience store underneath me. And I would go down there and I'd be like, you know, internationally, you would think you could go like, okay, there was Diet Coke there. And I was like, Shatiri... Cola light. Shatiri is the word for four. I've got four fingers up. And I'm like, Shatiri cola light. And they're like, ah, uh, Yanni Panema, you know, I, I don't understand you. I'm like, Shatiri, you know, cola light. I'm pointing at it. And they're like, mm, you know, ah, uh, Shiram cola light. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't conjugate the word four. I'm like, Come <laughs> yeah, on. yeah, yeah. And I yeah. kind of was like, you know, I'm here for two years. And as much as I hate that, I was like, it's not that long. I'm never going to get to the point of speaking the language well enough to converse this way. I just need to be able to get around. Yeah. yeah. In Russia, we're talking you about know, the language. Yeah. Well, I did hear this. And so obviously we communicate through words, but then nonverbal mm -hmm. cues mm -hmm. are even more pronounced in our communication. And that's like how we connect a lot of times. And so in Russia, apparently this is true. I don't know. You may have to Google it. But they say that the Russian language is the best language in order to um, emotionally connect hmm. with the other person. And it's just the structure and it's just kind of the whole semantics of it, you know, that allows you to be able to have a, uh, they're able to portray their meaning through words. Okay. In, in, a, in a very connective and intimate and clear way. Russian language. That's wow. Well, it. and you know, that, that doesn't surprise me because it's very, you know, they've learned to be very cold on the street and you probably do need to, you don't have facial expressions. When you get behind closed doors, it's different, but out on the street, you know, it's, it's very, point. it's, it's yeah. cold, right? So you probably do need to, the language probably has to adjust over time to communicate what you want to with words versus emotion. Like, cause you're not going to hug. You're not going to show mm. that you're friends. You're, you know, everybody stays very, I don't want to say cold, but very cold. On yeah. the so, so because they're not doing a lot of nonverbal cues, yes, they overcompensate with the right. actual words. Right, I don't think so. That makes sense. Well, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I do know some Russian. I okay. can't say it on camera because oh, okay. it's only cuss words. Uh, I had a Lithuanian brother, 
So we adopted a kid okay. from Lithuania and he played basketball. And we, we would pick up that he was, he would talk in English and then ser- suddenly would just go off go in off Russian. In I mean, just words. like, suka biet, pichku mamu, and like okay. saying stuff. And I'm like, what does that mean? So we start saying it just because we were like, oh, he missed a shot. He's mad. We'll say it when we miss a shot. Well, then one day, uh, one of our Russian friends was in town and he said, do you even know what you just said? Yeah. <laughs> we were like, no. So he let us know. Uh, so we didn't oh, wow. say that anymore. But that's such a cool experience. You know what's funny about your story about living in Moscow and moving all over? You chose a profession that is a relational standstill profession. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. And I don't, I don't think I thought of it that way when I, when I chose it. I think I've moved a lot and um, and I think I had the opinion of real estate agent um, similar to what I think a lot of people do where you're going to you love houses. I love design. I love, you know, the thought of building houses, helping people decorate houses. And so you just think houses. OK, I'm going to do that. And I had plenty of um experiences since I moved so much as a kid, you know, having real estate agents, buying new homes, moving those types of things. So I felt like I understood what a real estate agent did. But my concept of it was you, they open up a door for you. They show you the house. Like, how cool would that be? And then you get into the profession. You're like, oh, that's not what it is at all. It's a lot more, huh? <laughs> it's a lot more than that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I guess you figured that out before you were even here. <laughs> I guess you figured that out <laughs> yeah. to get no, here. No, you do. Yeah. And, and it's, it's relational, but it's relational really one-on-one with clients, you know? And even though like I am very introverted and I'm not super social, I can still build a very, um, you know, lucrative business model by, because my relationships are one-on-one and I'm good Mm one-on-one, you know? Um, let's talk a little bit about that. What do you think in light of kind of what's going on? Rates are, rates are up, mm -hmm. um, volumes down, but prices are kind of holding steady because of inventory issues. What do you think real estate agents should be focused on right now, looking at the end of 23 and going into 24 for their business? So, number one, I don't think, um, I like your question, but I'm going to change it a little bit. Like, what could they be doing? Because the should... I want every agent to take the should out of there, Mm -hmm. you know, build their own business. There's no should be doing anything. You know, I think as business owners, we are building a product, a really good product. That's ourself as our service, you know, Um, and then we want to sell that service. Right. So what can we do in the midst of the of the pivoting economy to, you know, to create that? What can we do? And that's going to be really one-on-one with whatever, whatever that business model is of that individual agent. Mm -hmm. Um, but my hope for the agents, to be honest, is that, um, the only should I would say that they would have is they should have six months of their, of income, you know, saved away to be able to pivot in an economy like that, um, like this, when we see the shifts. So my hope for agents is that they have, um, enough kind of built up that they have some time to implement new uh, strategies, and to go ahead and look at where things are going to be, pivot their their you know their business model or their marketing uh, to what they think the economy is going to be doing, and give themselves like six months to build that up so they can you know hit the ground running in like six yeah. months from now. No, that's smart, especially after how on fire the real estate market mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. I feel like saving income is just a smart thing. That mm-hmm. I mean, that's just 
Am I wrong? But that's just old school real estate. That's what y'all always probably did until these last two or three years mm -hmm. of craziness. Yeah. But that's mm -hmm. super smart. That's really good. What about marketing wise? Do you think agents should be doing on kind of, um, me and Stuart were talking yesterday, mm -hmm. but prioritizing, you know, is social media the future? Is just one-on-one -on -one relationships the future? Is sending birthday cards? Like, what are you thinking? <sighs> Well, that, that would go back to your, your personality and what works for your business, right? For me, if I send out birthday cards, people would probably call me like, what's wrong? Cause that's, that's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they would know that they're not going to get that from me. And that's okay. I've accepted that about myself. Now for other people who are, are more social and relational, I, yes, I think they can be doing that. Those touch points, just as a reminder, I think that we're in a tough place because you're not going to be able, you can't make somebody buy a home. You know, it's more fun to buy a home when the, you know, your mortgage is going to be cheaper. And so then more people are out there and it's easier to find clients in the whole nine yards. So now we're looking at people who need to buy a home for maybe a reason, one reason or another, or need to sell more realistically, you know. And so um, I think leveraging anything that's free right now is going to be uh, beneficial, but also honestly taking a punch into one um, one type of social media uh, and even putting money into that, you know, even taking out a small business loan or something, if you had to, to, to really ramp up one thing that, that fits your, um, your personality and your model, yeah. you know, whether that's mailers or not, I think people market based on, I mean, you might agree with this people market based on the marketing they like for themselves. I don't like people, you know, emailing me all the time and doing all of this. So I don't do that to people, but if, but there's plenty of people who love yeah. that, yeah. And if that's you, then definitely do yeah. that. I agree. Yeah. You know? Let's and talk. I would say put money behind that too. I agree. Can. I agree. I think it's so important to know what's going on macro and micro mm -hmm. with the economy. And then you're going to have to make some assumptions, but rates are high, mm -hmm. right? Inventory's low, but there's still buyers out there and there's this huge population in the millennials. Don't forget about the baby boomers. So what does that really mean to real estate agents? It means new construction will win. Mm -hmm. It means listings will always win. It means the way to get a listing is to aggressively, days on market are going up, aggressively put a plan into place to get that thing sold. It means focusing on baby boomers, senior housing. They got all the cash. Mm -hmm. They have all the equity in their they're house. Wanting to they're not rate sensitive and they want to downsize. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing to bring a high touch to them? You know, mm -hmm. is it estate sales? Is it having attorneys? Is it knowing all the rates at senior living places? Is it working with packing moving companies, right? And then as far as buyers go, have a, always have an idea of what's going on in the market and be willing to source off-market deals. Be willing to go out and find off-market deals for people. And so I think it's just so important when things adjust and they and they and they're kind of pivoting, mm -hmm. like you said, that we understand what is really going on and then finding solutions mm -hmm. to what the opportunity is based on that change. No, that's so good. That is so good cuz yeah. that's you're exactly right and that's what's cool about what both of y'all have said is there's not a single answer for a time in the market for a strategy or for like you were saying your personality i mean it's that's what's so beautiful about real estate it's so crafted to like for example 
you were just saying how your personality matters. Well, let's say you're a very nice person overall. It might be good for you to go meet some senior people, help them find a place to go. Like you were saying, do that strategy. Yeah. Maybe you don't like one-on-one sure. time. Okay. Go to a bingo night. Sure. <laughs> Figure something out. Sure. That's what's so cool. Yeah. And you're right. Like that's the rate sensitive part was pretty cool. Cause yeah, I forget rates yeah. aren't even high to yeah. seniors. Right mm-hmm. now. I know. Well, I think Nicole hit the nail on the head too. It's like how you perceive people marketing to you tells you a lot about yourself. And if we're trying to be true to ourselves, then we need to allow our marketing efforts to reflect that. That's authenticity. And so Nicole is very smart, very driven, very detailed oriented. And her clients know beyond a shadow of a doubt, she ain't going to miss anything. You know, she's not out here throwing parties like some of the agents having huge big get togethers and, and it's her and it's true. And I'd use her as a real estate agent, you know, because of that, she's true to herself. She knows her skills. She knows her abilities and she's really, really good. The worst thing agents can do, I say it all the time, is to watch Nicole and be like, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. I want that level of detail in my business but they're not at all detailed and they're extroverts and they're loud personalities. Mm -hmm. It's like find out what it is that resonates with you and take that to the community. Mm -hmm. You do a good job at that. Yeah. Yeah, You've been saying that for a while. I know. Build on someone, but make it your own. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt to team, to team up with other agents who have the skills that you don't. I mean, that's how I started, you know, even when, um, uh, one of the agents that that was at my previous um, office, you know, he would go go out and find the the people, but he didn't like doing all the, the busy work behind the scenes, you know, and yep. I love that. I'm yep. like, oh, yeah, I'll go stage and, you know, market a house all day long behind my computer. I love that. Yeah. Do you know? And, and so and I'm yeah. good at it. Yeah. And so I think um, but he'll go, you know, to walk the land and talk to the clients. I'm like, go do that. That's, you know, go <laughs> have fun with that. You know? Yeah, that's pure. That's good. <laughs> and I, I think that those things are, are just really important and you don't have to do it all on your own. Yeah. One, that's one of the most dangerous things. Dangerous is in a good way, Mm -hmm. is knowing yourself. Yeah. I mean, and knowing your strengths and knowing your weaknesses and knowing other people's. What do you mean dangerous? Dangerous in a good way, like you could rule the world, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Because, I mean, that's the thing. Like you're a superhero and you're a threat to like... Yeah, exactly, bro. I mean, because the thing is, yeah, dangerous is a modern term. People flipped the narrative on dangerous, (laughs) just so you know. I like Uh, it. But anyways, so, yeah, it's... It is dangerous, though, because here's the deal. If you know where you're weak and where you're strong, you can maximize your efficiency and know those points of the people you need yeah. to surround yourself That's with right. who have different strengths. And that is huge for it's a everything. team, for just work itself. I mean, all of it's it. everything, mm-hmm. isn't it? I mean, even if you're working a corporate job, you know, find those people that will be um, accentuate what you're trying to do to reach the goal, you know, don't get caught up in personality issues, recognize the similarities and leverage their skills and abilities. You know, I think it's so easy to just kind of make these judgments and go, well, I don't know if I really like their personality. And then we lose out on so much collaboration potential and a lot of times success for us. 
I'm not saying you should hang out with people that you hate, but I think it's okay to show some people some grace. And, and you know, I think it's important that real estate agents in the past have been somewhat on an island, somewhat isolated, and they see one another as competition Mm -hmm. to the point where they're not leveraging one another. Mm -hmm. They can collaborate. They can work together. And it's funny because truly it does lift everyone else up whenever you share those ideas and work together. Well, that's something about Collier and Associates I've always noticed that was different because as someone who grew up around real estate my whole life, I'd walk into offices and I always thought it was funny as a kid because I'm like, I'm like, dad, so you don't like any of these people <laughs> and like in your own office, you yeah, know, and that's yeah, not. Yeah. Exactly, no, no, but, I, but there I is some yeah, of that yeah, yeah. that's like this competitive nature. Mm-hmm. And that's super cool that you guys have disarmed that for the most part. I think there's a there's a trend, right? And I kind of call it the ra- the rise of the entre- or the agentpreneur, mm. you know, where where before agents would work for a a firm, the firm did all the marketing and they got floor time and they got whoever walked through the door next. So there wasn't a need to market yourself. There wasn't a need to do anything like that. And you got leads and you got business from, you know, just being an agent and wherever you hung your, hung your license. Then we went to everybody's an independent contractor. We've got Zillow. People are finding the houses themselves, all of this. And I think agents got to, okay, I've got to be very competitive against it. I'm not just getting the person who comes through the door. Now I have to win that person. So it became a very like competitive thing. And I feel like we're maybe even shifting now to um, everyone understanding what an entrepreneur is, but then at the same point saying, okay, entrepreneurship requires that I take all the resources that are available to me and make the best out of it that I can, excuse me, that I can, Mm -hmm. you know? And so maybe I give up a little bit of commission, but I'm looking big picture now of building a a business and Mm -hmm. being a CEO and CEOs Mm -hmm. take, you know, take Mm -hmm. in other, other workers, other, you know, resources. Right. And so hopefully that shift will just continue going. That's really good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. People need to hear that. I agree. So did when you started Collier and Associates and you joined, mm-hmm. was that how it was? Was that shift into individual contractor? Had it taken place completely or were, were y'all? Kind of I, I mean, dude, time? I didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> you know, like I had no clue, you know, like, I don't know. We, I was just trying to pay my bills, <sighs> yeah. you know, really. I, I didn't know what, I, I still don't know a lot of the realtors. And I don't go to the board and like do all the awards and stuff. We've always kind of done our own thing. So I don't know. I don't think we've ever been like that, have we? Maybe. No, I think, um, I mean, I think it's just an industry as like Zillow came up and and people weren't getting, you know, floor time. And basically once the consumer or... was able to do a a lot of those things themselves and we didn't have books you had to come into the office to get books you know see the listings anymore that then the the role of the real estate agent had to change in terms of marketing themselves as a personal brand because i don't that didn't really exist before yeah you know so then everybody had to adjust to that and now hopefully it's like okay now let's actually even like work together yeah 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 you know to Mm -hmm. to help our clients even better yeah you know and that that requires giving up commission of course you know which to an extent and so that that's a hard that's a hard like hurdle to jump over but I, I i do think the the people who will succeed in the business are the ones who can do that yeah yeah so i have a question that's 
as a non-realtor, I feel like I can ask this, but it's an elephant in the room. You said commission. Is commission been taking a big hit lately? Is that what's happening or are agents still able to get? I well, mean, I just mean you if you if this is your full time job, it's you are you are living on a commission based life, mm-hmm. you know. So then when you don't have just the monthly income rolling in, it, there's a little bit more of a scarcity mindset in, in the industry as a whole. Yeah. You know, you don't know where that, you know, the next there, there are some so. crazy things going on right now with but commission. Though. Stuff going on. Yeah. So do y'all want to get into it? I mean, we're better than real talk. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like happening now. That's and, so I heard about people, this yesterday. Just yeah. Little, people are freaking out. Yeah. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I sent them an email. Did you get my email? I did. You didn't respond. Oh, I didn't read it yet. <laughs> That's the only reason you're here. Why did you? Yeah. Not right? I'm like, fantastic. But yeah, so <laughs> NAR is in a big lawsuit and a few of the other uh, national brand brokerages are as well. But basically the government is saying that no longer should sellers list their property at 6% and buyer agents are 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 going to continue to be able to take half of that money so they're saying that that will go away which essentially technically speaking would cut all commissions in the business by half theoretically now there's a lot of uproar about that it's not going to be so black and white, but I will say this, it will trend in that direction. I do believe that buyer representation will change drastically and, and real estate agents will need to be able to justify their services at a higher level when representing buyers, right? And so in order for buyer's agents to get paid, they're going to need to negotiate that on some level. It's not going to be so black and white and listings will still be king, right? And so if you know how to get a property sold, now we as a firm are going to do some things. We're going to do some off-market opportunities. We're going to get really organized. We're going to have a buyer pool of people. We're going to have off-market properties that certain people aren't going to have available. And so we're going to be able to justify those buyer agent fees to say, hey, listen, we're going to open you up to a bunch of different properties that aren't even advertised. And the same thing goes on the listing side so we can control listings. Then we'll put a really aggressive plan in place to get those listings sold. But if we can go to a listing appointment and say, hey, listen, we got a pool of buyers just teed up, then we can get deals done quick and a lot of times before they even go on market. And so forget the MLS is what I always say. Like, sure, we'll use whatever platform they have out there, but I don't care. We'll leverage 230 agents and all of their spheres, and we'll start to organize it, and we'll start putting buyers and sellers together, and a lot of it will be off-market. And I think that's where we're going. So this is a little bit ironic because going back to just what I said, do you think we're going to get to a point then where the buyers are coming directly to the brokerage, like for our book, the same way it was kind of before? Right? <laughs> That's pretty good insight. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but it, I mean, it, it goes well, along it that same. Like that. Yeah. I think, you know, it's like, okay, the, you know, the, you leverage the, the brokerage and their, and what they offer the community so that people list there and then yep. the buyers can get, yep. you know, yep. properties there that they can't get elsewhere. Yep. Yeah. 
some brokerages won't adjust and won't have a plan and and it'll be tough it'll be tough on brokerages that don't have 100 people yeah if you can't organize and you you can't try to expose the opportunity it'll be tough and the people that just kind of sit around and get pissed off that mm-hmm. their commissions getting cut are going to lose out big time. So don't let it be a distraction. Right. And I don't think that they have to look at it as a, as like their commission being cut. I think that it, what it does is it, there's, I've, there's already agents who on, on our documents, right. Who ask for, if you buy a house with a, with a for sale by owner, you know, you might have to pay my commission. And really it's having that conversation up front. You know, some agents do that now. It's an uncomfortable conversation. So a lot of it is like, eh, if they buy for sale by owner, I'm just, hopefully I get something if I don't, oh well. Um, but it's just, it's, it's us having to be transparent of where we're getting paid. Mm-hmm. And now the buyer may have to actually pay us, you know, if the seller won't, or we have to tr- try to negotiate that into the contract somehow or something. Um, it's, it's not going to go away, but it's going to require us to do more. <laughs> at the end of the day and, and have those tough it's conversations okay. and, and okay. it's, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it might help <laughs> very harsh here, but it might help thin out the herd too of, I mean, right now everyone wants to be, a they're saying it'll, mm-hmm. they're saying there's 1.2 members and it'll go down to 600,000, which will help the people who are serious wow. about it. Read the article I sent you. You're hurting my feelings over here. <laughs> it was like, in the I'm article. On, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the podcast. And then I'm going to go read his stuff. You got the title for this real talk episode for Nicole. Dude, exposed yeah. For not reading I didn't the read the five emails you sent yesterday. It's, it's crazy what's going on. It's yeah. crazy what's going on. Like, shift it is with it is else. massive yeah and even if it doesn't trend. pass it's going to trend in this direction and so you need to brokerages of our size need to start their own kind of in-house mls well, here's the thing am i wrong about this but just the fact it's been mentioned now gives these it people does. leverage it to does. negotiate you're exactly right because they heard it so they're gonna be like i don't care yeah. if it passed or not i'm not yeah. paying it and so there is a, you just got to learn how to yep. adapt. And it sounds like you guys are on top of it, which is sick. I think going back to what you said about like the book and the stuff, that's what's funny is everything makes a full circle. Everything, every single thing, even old trends. I In mean, some people regard, come yeah. back around a little bit. I think what happened is you had this age of information where, now, instead of going to the brokerage, you could go straight to the property. Yep. The problem is now everyone can go straight to the property. Right. Yep. So you have to go straight to the agent before they've signed the listing agreement. So that's what's going to start happening now is to these off markets because it's just this, how can I beat the next person looking mm-hmm. for a house? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I could actually see it going a step further. Like, hey, what listings do y'all have coming on the market next week? Yeah. Can I have a book? Yeah. Well, and if we go back though in history and you look at why there are buyer agent fees now, it's because everybody used to represent the seller. So are we just going to go on a cycle of this again? If all the buyers go directly to the listing agent, let's say to buy the house, you know, because so that they don't have a a buyer agent fee, who's representing the buyer? Then the buyers are all underrepresented. We've already had that happen in in the history of buyer beware. Yeah. Back back in the day. You know, I think uh, it's going to cause other issues that, that will have to get worked out yeah too. yeah because that's i mean i got to go through this a little bit with the house i just bought it was a for sale by owner i was using my dad as an agent and i was i got a cool insight i didn't know how that worked and i was yeah. like 
And so he negotiated commission up front, like you had said. But I'll tell you what, as a buyer, first time home buyer specifically, I would not have wanted to do that without an agent. I yeah, mean, I know. That I would know. have scared the crap There's out of There's a lot me. of pieces to it. Now, mm-hmm. the agent's role is much different and will continue. Mm-hmm. The agent's role, I mean, gosh, we're almost just community advocates. We're, we're like subcontractors. We're administrative assistants. We're real estate experts. We're, you know, knowledgeable about what uh, indicators influence the value of a home. Like our breadth our scope has widened so, so, so much, Mm -hmm. which is, which is in my mind, a great way to justify costs. And so you said you needed a real estate agent. Well, the fact is most people that don't use a real estate agent end up in a, in a deal. I'm trying to think how I read this, but end up paying more for the house than those that were represented after the commission comes out. Yeah. I believe that a hundred percent. I had that talk with my wife because she was selling her house in Missouri. My dad found her an agent in Missouri, a local girl who is a dog by the way. And, uh, next thing you know, what always happens, the neighbor comes over and says, Hey, if you've not signed a listing agreement, I'll give you an offer and Mm -hmm. stuff. I was like, well, still sign your listing agreement. Tell them to go through the agent. Yeah. The guy wanted a 3% That's break. Right. I mean, That's right. at minimum, a 3% On, on the listing yeah. side. Exactly. On the list. You're exactly right. So she would have still paid the same commission, but also not had that agent for protection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you are, there's a, a lot asset. of things that come up, mm-hmm. you know, in the inspection or there's just so many things that can come up. So now I, I, I don't think every single deal requires an agent. No. I'll go ahead and say that. Mm-hmm. Like, let's all be honest is what I say. Like, let's not have an agenda. Even, I mean, Nicole and I are super involved in real estate, but I want to charge everybody to say, let's not have an agenda. Let's tell the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, let's tell the truth. Not every deal for every person requires an agent. If you're an attorney and you've got a little lot out here, you know, mm-hmm. let's be real. Let's tell the truth. So I have one last question, and once again, probably the most important question. You might have to think about it for a second so we can keep talking. I'll be thinking about this, and if you have an answer. Okay. But as the Farmington broker, what is your favorite thing to do in Farmington? It can be a place to eat. It can be just like if you had one, if people were coming in town from Moscow, Oh, goodness. Well, I'm going to be super biased about that because probably Briar's Bakery, you know. Oh, I heard about this. <laughs> yes. So, and that's my family's bakery. So, you know, I think I'm, I have a hard time answering that any other way. <laughs> I mean, you deserve to be. What is the bakery like? I've never, I need to come visit. Oh, man. Well, we uh, did the architecture similar to, you know, uh, like German, like Rothenburg, but also like kind of very British, like um, pub style, like high tea. So it's very cute inside. I did all the finishes and everything, but it's, yeah, you can't miss it. It's very like European uh, cottage looking. And then we've got tons of just homemade kinds of pastries and things. So it's an experience. The cinnamon roll. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The fact she didn't bring us cinnamon rolls and didn't read the email. Dude, I crazy. love cinnamon rolls. <laughs> I do too. I, like that she may said be that my now favorite I'm gonna go food. Eat a cinnamon roll. Dang, my brother's obsessed with cinnamon rolls. He'd drive thirty minutes to. When we were in Hawaii, we added a place called the Cinnamon Roll Place. That's all they made, and it was a line for thirty-five minutes every morning to get in. 
and it was amazing. Yeah. And so I want to try them. Okay, you'll have to do a taste test. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Of course. Yeah. Real talk, man. That was real. Yeah, it was.